Hello, friends. Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, here with a very froggy voice, and I'm here with surreptitiously seductive Chris Prunty. Unfortunately, Daniel couldn't make it this week because he's being a bastard and being in London, but we wish him the best and hopes that he comes back safe. On today's episode, we are exploring the kingdom of the Bank of the Dead, where the undead oligarchs rule, and who knows, you might want to stick around forever because you're in debtor's prison. In the first part of this deep dive, we're going to be examining and exploring the government and power, the culture, and the economy and resources of the Bank of the Dead. Chris, how have you been, Chris? I've been well. Good. As you can probably tell, my voice is... More than Little Froggy, and I'm just hoping to get through this recording without dying. You're doing great. Mm. Doing great. Oh, ironic. Yeah. Uh, Ironically, yes. I have a dying voice on the episode in which we do the Bank of the Dead. So I was always kind of thinking that in my mind I have kind of cultural touchstones for each of the nation states that we have. And in my mind, I always thought that something like Italy was always kind of culturally appropriate for the Bank of the Dead. Hmm. I was thinking more of like Venetian doges or like the Medici family, you know, really powerful economic families that, you know, were all full of vendetta, all full of spite, and they knew how to make money. And I thought that'd be kind of a fun cultural touchstone. The other thing that I had in mind, and and obviously for us, it'd be the oligarchs are essentially the heads of these families. They're essentially doges. And the other thing is they, because they're so long lived that they would have, you know, like millennia's worth of spite and, you know, grudges that they would hold. 300 years ago, you didn't get me a birthday gift. (laughs) And now your great, 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 great grandson will suffer for it. Now, because Daniel's not here, he's not reminding me to remind everyone what we have so far for the Bank of the Dead. Hmm. And essentially, the God of Death is where the Bank of the Dead kind of come from. The God-pacted are immortal outside of, you know, great physical harm and destruction of the soul. There used to be a Council of Ten and I think we've whittled it down to about six or so right now. Is that correct? Yeah, it's fine. And basically what has happened is this kingdom of death has evolved and over the course of thousands of years to bring us to the point where they're really good at knowing how to make money. They can kind of see how the market goes. They can kind of see what's going to be valuable. And as a result, that's, that's what they're good at. They're really good at making money and they kind of just don't need to defend themselves because if you come at them, then they will just hire every mercenary and they will cut off all sorts of economic resources to your country and they will starve you to death in that way. Sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively, whatever. Yeah, they're a little bit like the Iron Bank of Bravos, which didn't get a lot of touch in on the show, but uh, yeah. people feared them, know that they could hire mercenaries and they back winners more often than not. Right, and I feel like you know, the blessing of the Church of the Dead is probably, you know, in in that way as well. The other thing that I really, and that's basically what we have on the church so far. We really haven't touched on it too much, which is why we want to do this deep dive episode. One thing that I really kind of wanted to talk about is the bank as a patron. 
So the idea that there are artists or, you know, theater people out there or actors who are basically approached by the Bank of the Dead and they're like, hey, look, we see your value as an artist. Give us a couple of pieces and we will essentially just give you tons of money. Yeah, an angel drop. An angel drop? What do you mean? Uh, or an angel donation. I forget what it's called. It's where uh, someone affluent uh, who has a lot of money just goes just like, hey, I like what you're doing. Here's uh, 20 grand. Keep doing it. Do something cool. Yeah, it's patronage. Yeah. That, that's that's what it used to be anyway. Right. So like um, b- back in the day, William Shakespeare was a pa- like his patron was like the queen and the government essentially. It's not like he was making tips off of what was coming into the Globe Theater, you know, like, no, he had a ton of money backed by royalty because his work was so good and his theater troops work was so good, essentially. And that's kind of the one thing that I wanted to touch on is, you know, before we get into government and power and talk about the oligarchs, I actually wanted to start with culture because I feel like this is going to be a place where, yes, money rules, but at the same time. They under like the because of their longevity, the oligarchs and the undead council recognize that, yeah, you know, like art and money is worth stuff years in advance, like it's an investment. So even though it's a money, you know, like even though there's money being changed and whatnot, even though like it's an artistic vision, they understand that, like, hey, if we give money to these crazy people, they're going to create crazy art and that art value is going to skyrocket. And then we're going to have some of it and then we can sell it and trade it and blah, 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 yeah, blah. I would also argue that for some of them, uh, you've lived thousands of years. You're just like, wow, this story actually interests me. Uh, God, please make more. Yeah. I have been bored. Oh, that's actually kind of interesting as well, because now I'm thinking that each of the members of, you know, each council member is, oh, he is, you know, like this one is very interested in theater this one is very interested in art and which, which actually brings me, you think that there would probably be like, there'd probably be a ton of like museums and stuff in the kingdom of dead. Right. Like it's, it's a matter of they love art and they want to see it and they've gathered it and collected it. And because it's not you know, really a museum as much as it is, this is this patron's collection. Right. But think about what that's, that's how museums yeah. started. And then people come in and you know, they see what they want to see and they're making money off of this thing because you come in and pay money, you see the museums, you bring mm-hmm. foot traffic, you buy the gift shop merch, like all of that stuff. You know, like that's how they get you in, in, in a lot of places. Mm. And of course, now don't get me wrong, of course there's going to be the public ones and then there's going to be for the real art lovers, for the real for the real ones, that's number one, It is the people who have the private collections where they come in, they have like a vast underground vault and they just kind of look at these originals. Like to us, it'd be like, seeing an original Picasso or an original Van Gogh and just having it in like your shitter and like just looking at it as you're taking a shit, like, yep, I sure have that. And which brings me to the overall culture of the kingdom of the dead, which I have in mind. I want, so this is what I want to keep from the Medici family, vendettas and lovers of art. Hmm. Beyond that, I, I mean, like, even though, yes, it's the king of the dead, right? Or I'm sorry, it's the god of the dead. I don't want them to be morose. I don't want them to be goth kids. You know, like, shout out to the goth kids, by the way. I I love you guys. Whatever, they don't even care. Yeah, I do. But I, I actually don't want the kingdom of death to be kind of like nihilists. I want them to enjoy things. 
And I want them to be like, hey, this is what life is worth living for. We're all going to die except for those six over there. So where are we going to be? You know, like stuff like that. I I agree on a lot of that, especially if they, because it's either they, they really enjoy life because that's how they've lasted this long. We could have that maybe some of the other ones have been like, just like, God, oh, I just want to rest. They're the ones who got too morose and they're like, you know what? Counselor number seven is kind of a downer. And that's why there's only six now. Yeah. Or I was thinking the opposite, or I don't know if you want any of these living ones to have it, but as time goes on, in order to feel alive, they've gotten estranged or perverse. I think that, I think that that's true. Like when you look at it, eventually even your perversions become boring Right. And so it's a matter of what do you fill that void with at that point? And I think this is where, like, I think that in a lot of cases, you're going to see the council members become really focused on very specific things and, or they'll like, oh, I just decided to pick up the cello this time because I haven't learned that one yet. And oh, look, there's this, oh, gunpowder's invented. Cool. Let's go ahead and mess around with that. Which actually brings me, how do you think they would feel about science in general? Because I think that when it comes to science and learning, they're always learning new things. So wouldn't that be something that is kind of like a universal pursuit for them, where this is something that will always be changing and always be new, so I'm never going to get bored with it? I could see that, but uh, maybe for whatever reason, they see the hands-off as the best approach to science, because they like to see it uh, culminate naturally. Or also with the fact of just like, listen, we we get how markets work. We get how art works, science, and what seems to pe- people seem to run with, uh, whatever reason we haven't understood it. Like, they're like, we tried to introduce this horseless carriage. No one really fucking liked it. Uh, so. Or maybe it's a matter of we don't have the resources for this yet. That yeah. type of thing. Well, the thing is, I'd still want them to be kind of on the forefront, but maybe they're. Maybe what they're doing is they're creating a bunch of really bad science for some case, you know, like, oh, look, it's that triangle parachute that never really worked very well. You know, it's like, I've been trying to create a flying machine forever. And for some reason, it's just not working, you know, and it's, and it's not, but I like the idea of science being part of it or maybe medicine being part of it because can't, man, can you imagine what undead people are going to do to corpses, you know, like, or, or rather what undying people are going to be doing to corpses because eventually it's going to be like, what, what else can we do? Like what other perversion do we have at this point? Right. I suppose with that, we should probably talk a little bit more about the people in the, like who worships the God of the dead. Right. Like that's kind of what I'm thinking of. And again, we, we, I think we differ on this in that I want them to be people who are appreciative of life, who really liked, I mean, again, to go back to where I had my brain, it's, it's very Italian where it's like, yeah, we're going to eat big. We're going to live big. We're going to appreciate things. And then we're going to die. And that's totally fine. I don't necessarily want it to be a complete like Bacchanalian where they're just like fucking and drinking all the time because what else is life to do? But I I mean, I think that there's something there to anything mean, right? I think that there's something, I think that the ennui is really only experienced at the top. And I think that in a lot of ways, there's a lot of cultural experience, a lot of life to be lived in this place. So in a weird way, it's uh, trickle-down culture? They're in the search for more, like, 
lively things, experiences, and then sometimes they're like, well, it's not doing it for me anymore. And then that theater tre- troupe in that area is just like, well, we already are here. Uh, let's, you know, perform nearby. What do you mean by that? Do you, do, you, do you see culture as kind of emanating from the bank of death or do you see it flocking to the bank of death in hopes that it will get funded? I see it flocking to in the hope of getting funded. Okay. Like it might be uh, several layers of uh, gateway because I doubt even though time is meaningless for them, they probably have a few like uh, gateways that you have to go to before you talk to one of the undead. Right. Because they're enjoying things or doing something else before you get to them. So you have to impress several people before you see them or maybe word on the street gets big enough and they're like, oh, uh, bring me that person. I can see it. Yeah, I can see that. Where it's a matter, or or maybe, uh, maybe they have agents that kind of scout the land as well. Who are like, "Hey, go find stuff that's happening in other countries, and then see if you can persuade them to come here." A death scout. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's it's more like a, a patronage scout more than anything else. Um, I, not only that, but I think that that kind of goes. We should kind of tie that back into the government and how that works because. We keep mentioning the undead council, and these are the god pacted of the god of death, which means that they don't die. And there's there's been t- there was originally ten of them. We're down to six now, and they have lived for thousands of years. The god pacted ability is that they do not die a natural mortal death. They can't be poisoned. They can't age out. They basically have to be physically destroyed in order for them to be able to move on. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said. How would that how would that power structure where it's essentially an oligarchy or it's essentially a, a like um not quite a meritocracy but close to it uh how would that affect kind of the government because as we previously talked about part of the ideas that I have is that these six you know like old fogies are so ancient and so they they hold grudges and they remember shit that's that's what I want to play at and the other thing is, are they jockeying for power or is it kind of like, what do we feel like this year? What do we feel like, you know, like, what do we feel like doing this time? I like to believe that, and this goes back to maybe, uh, even though they do appreciate technology, a bit of gridlock, some sort of, uh, through time of thousands of years, they've just been, uh, hampered by bureaucracy and neither one can get a foothold on the other because there's so much red tape. I feel like that makes a lot of sense, especially if we want to go with like the bank motif and like the money motif. Like, of course, that it's going to take time for things to kind of grease the wheels and, you know, it's going to take time for money to exchange hands. And And they're ageless. They don't have to care about how long, like someone can spend their most of their adult life trying to campaign for something. And then finally they're like, nah, I don't feel it. it. Right. Well, so how does that affect the normal everyday people or like the people who are trying to move up politically in the world? Are they, are there six different like aspects of the government, each related to an individual member? And do we want to talk about that? Or is it a matter of, are they a council that is essentially a unit, a a, a singular entity and you serve them or, or is it, or is it something in between where Yes, you serve the council, but maybe you have a favorite or maybe you're currying favor because this guy raised you up from the very beginning or something like that. So first of all, just to be clear, do you see them as owning multiple cities or? Absolutely. 
Okay. Uh, I, I don't think of them as terribly large, but I've, I I think of them more as maybe like not not quite the Vatican because the Vatican is a bit too small. But I imagine like maybe two or three cities at the most because realistically they they don't need to expand any further because their influence is vast already. You know, despite the fact that they're small, they can still be like, yeah, we can take out an... I, I feel like there should be something in the history of them where something happened where they provoked the god of death and, you know, there's a country that basically got salted and burned and destroyed and it's just because they kept poking the god of death, the kingdom, you know, the bank of death. And it's like, first they started like economic sanctions and then that wasn't enough. And so then they tried something else and then that wasn't enough. And then finally they're like, you know what? We're raising an army. We're going to destroy them. We're going to find your, like, I want it to be so spiteful and cruel. The salted earth. Complete salted earth. It's not just enough to wipe you out. It is not enough to wipe out your family. It's like everyone that you ever come in contact with will never know your name. No one knows the name of that country. <laughs> That's actually a really smart way to do it too. Like it's, it's just a matter of, you know, much in the way that we have the monument to a failed ritual. That is the, the God of time. We should definitely have a kingdom that is basic or, or an area that is basically just, Oh, hold on. The idea we were talking in our Halloween episode about how mummies come from tar pits, right? Yeah. And how the god of the the god of death they're are really responsible for that. Where they get their tar pits is where this original country <laughs> was. It's like, yeah, we completely raised that country and there's nothing there except, you know, like essentially scrubland where nothing grows and tar pits. And that is where maybe that's where the first mummy ritual even happened, where it's like Oh, where they just started doing that to like the people who were in charge. Exactly. Where, where it's like, we're, we're going to make you suffer for eternity. And that's basically, and yes, you're going to be powerful. We're more powerful. We put you in this spot, you know, like that kind of thing. I also like the aspect of, uh, cause the point of interest or other things that I have with that, I, I like, you have to have a vault. You're going to have a vault, but I like the idea of multiple vaults uh, with mummy guardians I don't know how they get to them, but I don't know if teleportation could be a thing or if that's too uh, magical. I would probably want to try and stay away from, um, teleportation. from teleportation if we can help it. But I do like the idea of just finding these weird underground vaults that are just filled with treasure from like the bank of death. And it's a matter of, or maybe even it's a matter of like their fallout vaults in some way where you go in there and they're full of treasure and there's maybe a social experiment going on and also, Oh shit, there's a mummy guarding it. You know, it's not just enough to make you suffer. It's also, you're going to serve us in death. I also, uh, like the aspect of since they're, they've lost some people over the years that there's vaults out there that no one knows where they oh, are. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And of course that's where you get vault hunters from or like adventurers where, Oh man, I hope this one isn't claimed already. And then, so they like find it and they're like, Hey, is, is this good? Is this one fine? Okay, cool. And then of course they have to fight the mummy guardians and stuff like that. And now we're getting into the point where it's like the original purpose of mummies, you know, like they're dipped in, in, in the tar pits 
made to suffer for all eternity, given, you know, magic power and all that stuff. And at first it was an example. And now they're just kind of, do you see them more as like commonplace almost, or is it, it I depends. can definitely see that there are some that are more powerful, that more more art and everything was put into it, and then there are some that yeah. are like you're common. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Like you have a a, a run of the mill tomb guardian, and then you have one that's like, oh no, don't put that one in the vault. He'll es- or they'll escape. <laughs> like don't don't do that. Like this one has to be cons- like this one is a dangerous one. We cannot have them. Yeah, put that put that one in its own thing. Right. No riches go in that one. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, no, no. Not that one. Not that one. Put and that's that one where on. people make the mistake where they're just like, oh, sweet. I wonder what's inside. Oh, nothing except for, oh, no. Oh, that'd be horrifying, wouldn't it? When you think you're like, oh, man, I found one of the treasure vaults. And then it's like, oh, oh, no, this is a bad one. No, 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 no. Seal it back up. It's already too late. Yeah. Which actually brings me to, like, we, we kind of touched on it a little bit in a previous episode, but... Beyond the bank, are they also jailers? Because it sounds as though like they're they're kind of eternal jailers as well, where it's like if you have a really bad kind of prisoner that you can't get rid of or you you have to get rid of or whatever, you send them to the bank into the you know, the bank of death, and then they're like, Look, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about that. I think we remarked that it was more than just a crime like a a bad person but someone who had uh, made a crime against life itself. Oh, okay. Because two heads of the same coin kind of thing. Yeah, They, they, they live life. They, they are the god of death. Say, it just like, this, this person killed millions of people. Just like, all right, yeah, you tip the scales, so your punishment will reflect that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. They're not about justice. No, that's the other guys. Yeah. We're, you know, lame. No, I'm kidding. Wow. I like him. Wow. I, no, I like him. I'm just kidding. I'm just wow. messing around. I'm wow. having a good old time here. All right. So we've got like the big, you know, like the big crime bosses and like the, those who commit it. Are there like, sm- I mean, like there's the tomb guardians as well. Is there some like smaller way or like a small, like do you get just, you don't get tossed in there for a petty theft, right? Like No, but maybe you could loan your body or take on uh, some sort of, Hey, I'm going to donate my body. In return... Like an eternal debt. Yes. That's... Okay, that's... Or, or, so, like, you take out... Like, oh, my God, it's a life insurance policy. <laughs> it's an... It's, except, in this case, it's a death insurance policy. It's like, look, mm. we get your body when you're done. We're going to turn you into a tomb guardian of some kind. Don't worry about it. And we're not going to do the horrible ritual, the one where we scald you alive, but, you know, you'll 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 be... That's actually kind of interesting. You ever see the Perry Bible Fellowship one where the guy sells his soul for a dog? That sounds very familiar. It, it shows it's just like, yeah, and it shows him playing with it, and then it just shows in the last panel him like chained up yes. and burning. Yes, yes, yes. Uh PBF is so good. I love yes. Perry Bible Fellowship. All right, so so when it comes to these debtors, right? Like I can imagine people who are really desperate or maybe really young. Oh my god, yeah, I could totally see something like that where it's you get him while you're young. Is this their army? Is, is this, is because it's kind of like a metaphor, right? Like you get them young where they don't really know how to make good decisions yet. And then you just like, yeah, we've got your body from this time to this time, you know, once you're dead. I suppose that depending on the amount of command that they would have over them, they could have like, I, I'm, I'm picturing a, 
a different like terracotta soldier vault filled yeah. with undead but they're like oh you fucked up now yeah and, and this is actually kind of the this is what i like about this idea is that you're taking the idea of an undead army and it's not really that horrifying you know it's it's more like i like the idea that you had where it's terracotta army like they're terracotta warriors yeah where it's like they're not that they're undead it's just like you know, just don't think of them that way. Think of them as automatons. Like, that's the way that I have it in my mind. And they probably, like, paint them or, like, put them in armor that really masks the fact that they were once human. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe there's, like, a, a campaign going on where it's like, hey, we don't have an army of undead soldiers. These are just robot automaton people. Like, they're magically, you know, whatever. Who cares? I mean, you, could, you could dip them in metal. It would make them more resistant and... I, I feel like we're getting a little bit too close to Colossus or even worse, Steel. Yeah. Don't don't want to dip into that Shaq movie. Oh. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait for Kazam in another episode. You know, maybe. <laughs> but no, but I, I like that. I mean, how, do you, how do you feel about that idea? Like, no, I, li- I like the idea of uh, some sort of army that they, they can unleash. Yep. Uh, I feel like they've probably never done it, though. Or, or it's one of those things where it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Each council member has his own army that he keeps in a vault. No one wants, neither neither of them want to release their private army because that would dwindle the number and then it would upset the balance where they could fight each other finally. I, oh man, that's crazy. Now I'm just thinking of like silos full of like <laughs> rows and rows of these undead hordes. Yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. I, I like that. And I like the fact that it's not just these are evil undead. It's like, nah, they're just kind of like, just don't think of them as people. You it know? also like, reminds me of like the whole waiting and not being able to attack each other. It reminds me of every game of Twilight Imperium I've ever played of where, or, or risk. No, yeah. Where no one wants to be the first person to attack because they know that would put you in the weakest position. And then everyone just like dog, dog piles. piles on you. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I like that. I like that kind of precarious balance that they all have because I imagine that they're all full of ambition and, you know, despite the fact that they're thousands of years old and things have kind of lost their edge. I still think that in their minds, being the last one is the thing that they all strive for, (laughs) even though, because at this point, like their teachings have become perverse. That's not how the God of death originally started it out as, but you know, over the years, they've kind of forgot the doctrines enough where it's like, yeah, no, this is what's happening. This is what mm-hmm. we're doing. Um, yeah, okay. I, I like I like that idea. Let's keep it moving. Do, do you want to go back to culture a little bit and talk about... Because I, I still have the idea that they're like these decadent, like undead, like gods, essentially, right? Or, or demigods in this case. And then what they love is like art and they're patrons and they have the money to pull it off and that's that's reflective in their cities because again they they control a small area but i want these cities to be things of like beauty and opulence and you know like where even the lowliest citizen like even the beggars are better off have you seen that meme image of like the dude from china who's wearing a supreme shirt and it's like he's begging for money wearing a supreme shirt no, I have not seen that. Okay, that's basically what I have in mind, where it's like, yes, I'm a beggar, but I'm a beggar in the kingdom of death. You know, like, I have a ton, uh, I, like, I'm better taken care of than any, like, they're basically paid performance artists. Like, hey, go be a beggar. 
Go be a poor person. We'll pay you money to go do that. You know, that kind of thing. Because it's authentic. We want it to feel authentic. So in a weird checkerboard way, I could see each city uh, has districts that belong to a different kind of uh, oligarch. Okay. And maybe, I want to say that the fighting for power is very slow and like molasses, where a lot of the people maybe don't even understand that this kind of uh, fighting is happening currently because it's on such a slow scale. Or maybe it's a matter of, you know, like, oh... Taxes on chickens went up by 2%. And then there's like someone across town who's like, that motherfucker, he did what? <laughs> you know, like something like that, where it's like, it's, it's, they don't fight each other with knives and bloodshed. It's like they fight each other in tariffs and taxes and manipulating the market in some small way. Due to my influence in the Beekeepers Guild, I've know that there's going to be a very poor harvest this year. And that fool has bet that there was going to be a beautiful bounty this year. Oh, yeah, I, I like that a lot, actually. These markets will crash, and I will take over Street 34J. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Okay, you say 34, like Street 34J? I'm guessing that they fight over individual, like, market stands, or it's like individual shops, or like, often fought over, and it's like... And, and and these and to, and to the, sh- the shopkeepers are just basically pawns and they're like oh I've been given a mysterious amount of money or it's or actually I had all of my patrons this year wear this silk silk trade would be booming plow uh, in the back yeah oh, it's really loud well they're going <sighs> actually what I was thinking right Maybe it's a matter of it's poor sportsmanship to just directly give them money. It's like, no, no, no. You got to see, you got to let them figure it out on their own. Because at that point, it just becomes a bidding war, right? Yeah, because it's who's going to take the most money or who has the most money. And at that point, I feel like it would quickly escalate to an actual conflict. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so to keep the peace, they're kind of like, no, 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 no. I'm going to invest. There's like a cap, basically. Or maybe it's just like a small thing and they, they, but, but of course they're like, Hey, I'm going to go give that guy five gold and he's going to firebomb that area or something like that. Or, or it's not even like that. It's like, I'm going to give him five gold. I'm going to go tell him to go shit in that guy's shop over there. I just realized how we keep on playing up, how things are slow, methodical. You know that there's two types of people in this, in the, in this kingdom. The quick and the dead. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Gene Hackman would be proud. Uh, it is Gene Hackman, right? I don't know. Internet. Yeah, just tell us. Just tell. Yeah. I'm not going to look it up. It's not yeah. worth it. All right. So we've. I, I, I like that a lot. I like the idea that you know every aspect of every part of the city is essentially in the hands of these oligarchs. Although it's the oh my god, it's the invisible hand of the market, where it's a matter of yeah, we're gonna we're going to influence this because it's fun because it's what we fancy. With that said, how about five counselors? Well, no, no, no. It should be five, one for each hand, and then one just <laughs> big old middle finger because I'm still here, motherfuckers, like that kind of thing. So we were talking about how many cities they control, right? And it's a small amount for, yeah. you know, comparatively. I want there to be five cities, six counselors, five cities. No one is happy. It's not like you can have 
one per counselor. It's like, no, there's five cities. That's all you get. Fight it out amongst yourselves. That kind of thing. And also, like, going back to the progress is slow kind of thing. No one wants a sick city to develop because then that guy might get two cities. Right. <laughs> exactly. And not only that, but I imagine that I think at some point in the, in the future, if this, if this, I well actually hold on, I'm going to start this over. I think what we should probably do is leave the counselors kind of a blank slate because I think what's really fun is that like, or like maybe give them like very basic identities because I think what's really fun about this idea is that if you're running a game or if you're telling a story, all you know about is there are these six counselors, right? And you can prescribe to them any kind of love of art or, or um, you know, like alliances that you can give them. Because I can imagine the amount of stories that you get just from this core concept of con of conflicting undead people, undying people. Yeah. Does he like orchestras? Does he like singing? Does he like all music? Right. Does are there composers? Is it? Yeah. And not yeah, and not interpretive only, dance. I, you not only that, but you know that there's somebody who's like, oh, he was known as the patron for uh, sculpting and orchestra, and then until w something happened, and he com he burned down his opera house, and now he's all about something else. Something happened, no one knows what, but something important happened, and it was some perceived slight or actual slight where just like ever. The patron that he loved just got criticized into obscurity. And then he was just like, you people have no taste. Or or maybe it's like that was a smear campaign by one of the other council members. And it's like, you just, I can't have nice things. You keep ruining it. Or it's like, yeah, because the opera's never going to catch on. I don't know why you're trying to keep I making a thing. I was saving you. Oh, man. Yeah, there's, yeah, that's, okay. This is fun. Yeah, this is. The, I think keeping them kind of a blank slate is fun enough as is, except maybe like we should we should talk about it later in the, you know in the future when we talk about like maybe give two of them defined personalities, yeah, and then kind of go from there. Yeah, All I right, see that. very important. One of the things that we always talk about: what kind of food are they eating in the king in the bank of death? I see them eating cuisine from around the world. Yes, I, I can see that as well. Yeah, when we were in Amsterdam, that's one of the things that we definitely noticed is that they had a bunch of international cuisine, right? Like they had all sorts of Brazilian steakhouses. They had all sorts of um, Indonesian food. They had French food. French fries, by the way, were really popular for some reason, but you never really saw... Oh, they do like French fries and everything. Yes, also true. But no, but you never really saw like a traditional, you know, like Dutch cuisine, except for like one restaurant that we heard of. And we were talking to people there and they're like, yeah, we don't really have that. It's more like we just have favorite foods from all over. Yeah. And I see that being a, a, a part of a part of like an aspect of colonialism is obviously what we're talking about in our in our, in our historical world, like Amsterdam has that specifically because of the fingers that it had in every kind of international piece, but Orange County, I believe. What do you mean? I think where I'm from is 
named because of Amsterdam. Oh, well, I mean, New York is New Amsterdam. That's yeah. the or- or- yeah. Orange County, the House of Orange. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Well, no, but but anyway, point being, like the the Bank of Death in the in a similar way, maybe it's kind of supported so many fledgling kingdoms that it's like, yeah, we're just gonna get. Or, or maybe that's part of the thing where it's like, it's not just a patronage of the arts, but it's a patronage of food as well. Where it's like, hey, this was really good. Some would argue that the arts are included in food. Yeah, some people would. I mean, I, I'm a believer in it. Oh, no, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you thought I was going to swervy and say that I th- Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm a big fan of Michelin star restaurants. That's part of why I go. Yeah. Um, so, so again, it's, it's all international food. Is that is that the culture that we're bringing to it? Yeah. Is that it's a matter of it has some of the best food in the world, but it's also there's nothing that you're going to notice that's distinctly bank of death, right? Yeah. Yeah. I get yeah. I'm and cool I that. believe with the affluence that's there, they could have stuff imported from different areas. Mm-hmm. Meat, spices. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh one thing that we should touch on is I think it would the the Beekeepers Guild. The CRNE Consortium. Yes. Yes. Where are they based out of? Are they based out of here? No, they're based out of the nation with the God of Masks. That is a different uh, nation entirely. Okay. Yes. But I, I would believe that they would definitely have a presence here. Like I, a trade house of some kind. I actually think it's a token presence because I think that the Bank of Death actually kind of conflicts with the CRNE Consortium pretty significantly. I actually don't, I, I think that, I, you know, strangely enough, I don't see the Bank of Death as necessarily bad people. They're just kind of manipulating things in an economic way for their own benefit. Whereas the CRNE Consortium, they, they look at the world like, we don't, we have such a huge disadvantage, you know, going up against the Bank of Death. This is the only way that we can do it is by being huge scumbags and being as manipulative and as exploitative as possible. And the Bank of Death is like, look, we're going to be here forever. We don't have to worry about this. And then so we have to worry about the people who are going around and doing this really scumbag, nasty shit. And that's basically how they say, yes, there is a trade house for the CRNA Consortium, but everyone knows you don't go there. That's strictly, they bought the land, they own it, no one goes there. It, if you open that door, dust. On all the shelves, that type of thing. <laughs> but it's a point of pride that they have it there. Exactly. It's it, yeah. For the CRNE consortium, it's more a matter of like, hey, hey, bank of death, fuck you. Hmm. We own this land. All right. So, food from around the world, uh, culture that they have things from. Uh, what are we picturing? The environment, the geography. I feel like they have to be on the ocean. Or by the ocean. I would. I can agree with that. Yeah. Somewhat coastal. And then, obviously, they're going to have that area where they have a whole bunch of tar pits. Well, what about... Now, the other thing that we need to talk about is, like, what about the people in the Bank of Death? What are their... You know, because in Handasa, we had the stereotypes and the types of people and, you know, some some little aspects like that. What do you see with people, generally speaking... People from the Bank of Death. I don't know. I liked when we took on the aspect of them being this kind of weird DMV culture, but that doesn't seem to meet with them right now. But I, I want, I feel like literal people. They could be very literal. Okay. Uh, 
because literal get it in writing uh what they say is what they mean i can see that you know it, which is which is strange because when you think about the arts and whatnot maybe it's maybe it's that's how they act but they can appreciate it's it's not like your drax right where you don't get metaphors and whatnot it's like we get metaphors we just choose not to speak this way you know that kind of thing i mean maybe in the art aspect they they can use whatever flowery language they want but if you're on the street that's where you're direct and you're hmm. like if you're not appreciating something or you're not writing poems you're not do you're not using flowery language so if christopher yeah these the the people of the bank of the dead are french more, more moreover they are parisiennes oh my god no one cooks better than we do. No one banks better than we do. No one has better fashion, better art, better museums than the Bank of the Dead. Because that's where everything is. Why would you want to go anywhere else? That's, the, that's, that's how they have to be. Right? Like, they have to be that way. I, 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 like, I, I can see them being literal whatever. No, 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 no. Now they have to be Parisians. They are so proud of their city. I can't, right? Like, am I wrong? No, no. They they have all of the aspects, uh, all of the aspects that I would view with that. Uh, the, even the architecture, just like, oh, yes, yeah, so we hired people from Hondasa to build this. We know that Hondasa has great builders, but what they build the best is here. Yeah, obviously. Yes. Yeah. It's how it has to be. This is where the best comes, right? Because we have the money for it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the patience for it to be built right. Yeah, of course. You might have what you think is the best, but everyone knows the best is here. Like, let me show you how it's really done. All right, come on. I gotcha. What other aspects could we take? Because I feel like uh, we haven't oh. touched at all about uh, their respect of death or life. And that should permeate a little bit into the culture. I, I feel like I feel like at this point, like like I was kind of hinting at before with how the council treats it, the original like foundational ideas of faith built around the god of death have really become warped and twisted because the passage of time has just like altered the way that everyone sees it. So it's like, yeah, we're the god of death, finger quotes, but realistically, it's like we they're they're basically. They don't really have a strong dogma necessarily, except for maybe a few things, you know, like no salt in their food or, or, or something, something very simple. I, I haven't figured it out yet, mm. but I, but I imagine that it's like they, they are of the faithful because this is the world of a thousand gods. They are perhaps the least faithful to the original purpose and idea of the God of death because of the way that the God pacted have kind of steered them. It's a matter of yes, we're the yes, we worship this god, but at the same time, I mean, whatever, we don't really care that much. And then somehow the god still thrives and and feeds off of that energy, because I imagine that you don't need much to the god of death, right? Like yeah. everyone's gonna worship you when it's like, oh shit, time to die. die. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So it has a very passive, very strong. I think so. I, I I think I think that's how I how I see it for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, and finally, I feel like we've we've gone on quite a bit actually. Wow, yeah, we have. Um 
I feel like the last thing that we should probably touch on a little bit, the economy and the resources. Now we've already talked about that a little bit in that they manipulate the market. They have, I don't see them necessarily as a, a resource rich place. Like I said before, I think that they've gathered enough money over the years that they've just managed to accumulate so much and become so good at manipulating the market. They don't need natural resources. They don't really need anything except their knowledge and ability to move. Cause, cause it's kind of like how things where they're just like, Hey, we should really invest in iron this year because I feel like the, uh, there's going to be a war. Yeah. There's a war brewing. Let's go ahead. And they see that and they, and, and I imagine that part of that comes with intelligence and I don't mean like an intellect way. I mean, in gathering information from around and maybe that's what we were talking about previously uh, maybe there is, maybe there is a, a vast kind of spy network that they fund to help them kind of guide that market a little bit. And maybe that's what, and we've brought this up before. Maybe that comes in conflict a lot with the God of masks, you know, because the God of masks is all about propaganda and all about PR essentially. And I imagine that this, this web of spies that the God of death has is already there, and then the God of Masks comes in and says, "Like, wait a minute, this has been going on the whole time, and now there's like a shadow war going uh, on." And I could see that more of the agents working for the Bank of Death are more about a truth, about finding information and knowing the truth, as opposed to propaganda. Because only when everyone has the facts—that's a really great does, idea. Does the market work the way it's supposed to? If someone's selling something and it's not true. If you believe a product can do something and then it doesn't, it's going to fail. It's not going to – people aren't going to back it. Whereas if they're like, all right, it does this and it does this well, then they're like, oh, cool. We're, we're, we will back that. We will put money into it. We will uh, see that as a big thing in the future. Oh, it, the god of death – well, the god of death's followers and the council people are more of uh, – they back Kickstarters around the world. And when they get burned, that's where they're like, oh, oh, that is it. Well, really, it's it's kind of like a perverse altruism in a lot of ways, right? Where it's, yes, they're kind of manipulating the market to benefit them, but at the same time, they're kind of letting things settle in advance on its own. It's not like they're doing it strictly for greed's sake. It's a matter of like, this is the way that we know how to survive. In a lot of ways, like, yes, they're kind of hyper-capitalist, but in a lot of ways, they're also what the ideal for capitalism should be, where they're hands off when it comes to manipulating the market in certain ways, but more a matter in the way of like taking advantage of the knowledge that they've accumulated rather than, because I feel like the Sirenni consortium is more, more in the long lines of, Hey, we're going to push things and develop things on our own because we don't need, like, we're not about the invisible hand. We're about the clay. We're about the clenched fist that will take the money from you. And I think that's where the kind of dichotomy lies. And also in the agents who are working for the the oligarchs, uh, to bring it back to uh, the death and their faith and everything, the universal truth, death. So they want to find out the information. There's like a philosophical aspect to it as well. Yeah. I can, I, absolutely. I, I, really, I really love the way that it ties in with the theme. And I think that if anything... If if anything, right, like because the oligarchs are kind of the 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 hand of death, so to speak, 
They are, you're right, we probably should do five of them. (laughs) There's just so many there. Yeah, but I I still like the idea that it's five for one hand and then one middle finger for the other. It could just be one, like, people constantly make that comment and they're like, but there's six of them. It's just like, yeah, but, you know, and each each one will name a different one that's not really part of the group. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the one that the other one sees is, like, lesser. It's like, Yeah. yeah, there are five of us. Like, no, there's very clearly six of you. Uh, it doesn't count. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, I can. I, I like that idea that it may not seem as though the the Bank of Death is all that faithful, but maybe the oligarchs are kind of manipulating, or, or maybe that universal truth is just they're guiding their people to that universal truth, which is death for everyone. I think that makes a lot of sense. That's 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 pretty poetic, even. And with that, I don't think we're going to get better than that this episode. No, So uh, I think we're going to stop there and join us next week. We're going to be talking about the geography, the points of interest, and the capital in the Bank of Death. And of course, we're going to be approaching it in the same way that we normally do. We're going to come with a couple of different ideas each, and we'll go from there. Again, Daniel won't be here next week, but he'll be in London, um, where the invisible hand is quietly choking the labor party to death, but it's fine. Um, that's a political joke. Oh yeah. If you want to send us ideas about what you think the, your council member of the bank of death would be like, go ahead and send us an email at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. I have been Rob Hilferty here with Chris Prunty. We love you very, very much and, uh, stay out of debt guys. Bye-bye. The credit card of death. <laughs>